For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. All right, welcome everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. But what happens when all life gives you are veteran minimums? Well, make veteran minute made, I guess. What? Anyways, I'm your host, Jonathan (laughs) Hernandez, and the NBA offseason is finally upon us, and while we've done our job giving you all a great head start on all things free agency the last month, check out all of our previous episodes on free agency, by the way, prior to this one, we are still going to continue diving into the offseason and help lead you up to the starting line of what figures to be a very interesting free agency summer. And to help me do that tonight is Hoops Hype's co-host and salary cap guru. You know him on Twitter, Yazi Goslin. Yazi, how's it going, man? I'm doing excellent, Jonathan. How are you? I'm good. You know, it's just starting to literally heat up here in Cali. I'm sure you know, especially in Sherman Oaks. Uh, And so too are all of the NBA rumors, smoke screens and transactions with the draft and free agency right around the corner. Are you ready for it all? I'm ready, but I don't, I'm not sure the, the intel and stuff. I don't think it's that spicy. Oh, you don't think so? Okay. So like the lead up so far, can't say I'm that impressed. Feels like it could be a lot quieter. Uh, compared to some of the previous years, but we'll see. Uh, usually, they tends to the NBA tends to surprise us, anyways. Yeah, for sure. And you know, Yazi's done pretty much a detailed profile on every team's off-season outlook. So before we get started, why don't you plug your work for Hoops Hype and anything else you want to plug? Sure. So I have all my work on Hoops Hype. Uh, recently, I've been uh been working on what have i been working on mainly, mainly team previews uh for the offseason including a lakers one that's there and i'm sure we're going to get into a lot of those points and i'll i'll repeat a lot of the stuff i'm uh, i've said in there uh, i've got uh, a couple of things coming out like uh player team options uh the pending ones and what teams 
may or may not uh, how, or what like the result might be uh and then i have my third annual better uh my third annual extensions guide mm-hmm. uh ever since covid the ca- salary cap hasn't been growing as much if not stalling in some years so players have been able to make more just as much money with extensions than being free agents so that's been a big trend uh, and I'm sure it'll still continue this year, so I'm going to have my guide out probably sometime after the playoffs. And then, of course, you can find me on Twitter at Yossi Goslin. Awesome. Well, thank you for being such an insightful and informative research, insightful and informative resource during this time of the year, especially as we head into the draft and free agency. Now, before we dive into the Lakers-centric free agency questions, how would you describe this free agency market this year? Because... For me, I've taken an extensive look, and the one word that I keep going back to is that, you know, Bradley Cooper, Lady Gaga song from A Star is Born, and that's shallow. But what are your thoughts on the general outlook of free agency, this market? Yeah, a week. Um, I don't think it's going to be very exciting at all, so unexciting. Um, <laughs> like, the the main thing is, I'm sure there's going to be trades. That's yeah, That's probably going to be... Uh, where all the fireworks happen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm talking about all these extensions. Yeah, there's the past two off-seasons, players are just signing extensions. They're locking in their money now. And because of that, the this free agency class, and I, I kind of think even last year's free agency class, not very exciting. And mm-hmm. then the players that are going to become free agents, that are set to become free agents, most likely they're going to, uh, it seems like they'll stay with their teams uh, you got James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Bradley Beal, Zach Levine. Seems like they're probably going to stay with their teams. Uh, then you've got some restricted free agents like DeAndre Aiden, Miles Bridges, Anthony Simons, Colin Sexton. I think, again, like most likely most of them stay with their teams, but just because the nature of being a restricted free agent, but we can maybe uh, there could be some Simon trades. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. And then... After that, you've got like Jalen Brunson, uh, Yusuf Nurkic, uh, Lou, maybe Lou Dort, probably not. Uh, and then there's like a, a big drop off, just like, you know, pretty good role players, uh, all MLE level guys. And I think that's and and coincidentally, most teams have the mid-level uh, mm-hmm. exception as their biggest means for spending this offseason. Only like five teams are going to have cap space. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be where most teams. Uh, most teams invest their money on these players because yeah after the players i listed not many of them are worth like more than the than the higher mid-level in my opinion so right so we'll see it just seems like if if you're looking for excitement most likely it'll come in the creativity of trades or sign in trades Sure. And in general, I don't know if you have a pulse on this, but anytime the market is as shallow as it is this upcoming summer and teams, there are very limited teams with cap space. Typically, is there like a general trend that happens when both those things that coincide? Like, for example, how does that middle tier group, how do they end up shaking out? In a market like this, does this sort of do teams tend to overpay like middling players because there aren't as many guys out there? Or are we going to see like an overpayment of middling wings because the wing market is so scarce or are guys generally get pinched out? Like all of a sudden, oh, this guy's talented, but why is he making the minimum? Is there a general trend or not really? 
I think teams are becoming a lot more responsible, and that has hurt certain players that like obviously deserve more money. Mm-hmm. Uh, like one example I could look at last year, and it's more like in like a lot of these pay cuts are necess- are temporary. Like you look at Otto Porter, just the fact that the Warriors got him for the minimum mm-hmm. is like un- totally unfair. <laughs> uh, like I think Malik Monk was definitely worth more than the minimum. Yeah, a lot of backup centers get hurt by this. They get minimum contracts, and just the you know the problem with that is a lot of these players don't recover from that once they sign a minimum contract. The teams just want to have them for the minimum, and it took Jeff Green like five years on a minimum contract to finally get. I I would I don't even know if he's properly paid right now, but he's it's a little more than the minimum. So we will see what happens because, like I I know I did notice yeah a lot there were also a lot of good a lot of mid levels last year and a lot of teams didn't use the full amount. Uh, one trend I do notice is that no one uses the biannual exception anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's been used on average like twice a season so like two teams would use it if even the whole thing interesting uh and i think that could be something that gets corrected in the next cba because if if that's because because if the bae is not really useful and teams are are able to get to their get to spend as much as they need without using that maybe you could do something like oh what if instead of having a bae there's like a second mid-level or I don't know. They can figure something out. Right. Um, And I'm sure we'll get some updates to the CBA soon. But, um, yeah, I mean, as far – but I I do think teams are going to be a little more responsible. And, uh, you know, just – I don't – it doesn't seem like – like even even in some scenarios where it felt like a player got overpaid because a team just had to spend the money – at least it wasn't like long term, like when the Knicks signed five power forwards in 2019, yeah. like one year deals. Or sure. like when the Pistons signed Mason Plumley and Jeremy Grant, it looked like they were overpaid. Yet they actually seem they, they turned out to be pretty solid deals. So, mm-hmm. uh, well, yeah. So we'll see. But I, I would say, like the wing players and and some of the good guards, I feel like they should be getting the full mid level, uh, and then. I would say some like the quality, high quality backup centers should get like the full tax pyramid level. I, that's kind of a sure. rule of thumb. I kind of like to look at things. And we'll get into all of those specific names later. But yeah, it's good to know that we'll probably or hopefully not get the Al Farouk Aminu for like 27 million over three years deals. But who knows? You never know with the NBA, right? So let's get straight into it and talk about the uh, Lakers salary cap for this upcoming summer. I'm just going to treat everything like layman's terms, like you have no idea what the salary cap is. And I'm I'm going to set this up for you, Yazi, pretty much based off of what you outlined. So everything I'm about to say, I'm getting the, the stuff from Yazi so that Yazi can just kind of have a jumping off point. So for the purposes of this episode, as far as the Lakers stand right now, they're going to be an over-the-cap luxury tax team. And Yazi, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong after I do this whole spiel. Um, But yeah, the Lakers right now are figuring to be an over-the-cap luxury tax team. Let's just say that the following Lakers are going to be on their books this summer. LeBron, AD, Westbrook, THT, Nunn, Stanley Johnson, and Austin Reeves. Now, Nunn has a player option, Westbrook has a player option, Stanley Johnson and Austin Reeves are on club options. 
I'm keeping Wenyan Gabriel out of here. He's a TBD, so I've left his 1.8 million non-guaranteed club option off the books for now just because he's not a priority for the Lakers or likely won't be. Um, so yeah, we've got seven players here, and those seven players on the roster, that's roughly around $148 million on the Lakers' books this summer with an NBA salary cap at 122, the luxury tax at 149, and the hard apron at about 153.6. So the Lakers are a luxury tax team that's already pretty close to the hard apron, but not yet a hard cap team as of now. So working with those seven guys on the roster, LBJ, AD, THT, Nunn, Westbrook, Reeves, and Stanley Johnson, where do the Lakers stand with regards to the tax and the hard apron right now, and what exceptions do they have to use? I guess you can just say what exceptions they have to use because I've outlined the tax and the hard apron, but yeah. Yeah, you mentioned it's 149, 149 million, so the luxury tax, and they're at 148, depending on, you know, with, either way, they're right at the luxury tax, with or without one in, and they're going to be over it if they once they fill out the rest of the roster, even... So, yeah, that's where they are in relation. Uh, so that means that if they're over the luxury tax, they're going to have the tax pyramid level, which is projected at $6.4 million. Uh, that will be their biggest means for spending as of now. If they can reduce enough money, maybe through a Westbrook trade, for example, they can open up the non-taxpayer at 10.3. And then they've got a couple trade exceptions, pretty small ones. I, most likely they won't even get used. Cool. Now, you mentioned opening up the non-taxpayer MLE, and in conjunction with that, the biannual exception. Non-taxpayer MLE will be about $10 million, and the biannual has risen to about $4 million this year. What would the Lakers have to do in order to open up those two exceptions? Uh, most likely, you got to offload Westbrook or uh, turn him into several much cheaper players. Because if you want to, if the Lakers want to use both those exceptions, uh, using either of them will hard cap them. I've got it at roughly 156 million. Mm -hmm. So not only do you need to clear enough money to have that 15 million or so to use to spend both of those exceptions, if that's the goal, but you also need to have enough below the hard cap to fill out the rest of the roster with X amount of minimums, or uh, you know maybe you could trade. Uh, a guy like Nunn or Horton Tucker for some other players. Mm -hmm. So, so that's the other thing. Uh, yeah. If, if basically all, I would say like almost any road to having those exceptions has to start with a Russell Westbrook trade where they save a lot of money. Right. So one of those options are the OKC Thunder before Shea Gilgis-Alexander's extension kicks in on 629, I believe. But their space also just dwindled by about $8 million after they executed the Jamichael Green trade this past week. So right now, they only really have around $20 million in space to use to help a team like the Lakers out. But I guess it's still possible. Outside of OKC, though, are there any other teams that can take Westbrook on with cap space? Uh, well, yeah, so OKC's expires before uh, before July, and then after that, once July rolls in, there's going to be uh, more teams with cap space. Uh, you've got Indiana, for example, where they can do an uneven trade. They can take mm -hmm. on Westbrook and send back uh, a lot less salary. Um, you've got uh, potentially, you got Detroit. They can do like 30 mil plus. Spurs can do 30 mil plus. Um, missing someone pretty big. 
can't get them off the top of my head. But yeah, those are just several of the other mm-hmm. teams that can do an uneven type trade because of their cap space. And how much money would you say you'd have to clear off of Russell Westbrook's $47 million in order to avail of the you know, non-taxpayer and the BAE? Would it be around like clear off 20 million of his 47 or maybe more 25? I think at least 20 off the top of my head, maybe half just to be safe. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll, I'll just propose this scenario that it's been in my head. I highly doubt the Lakers do it. And I, I, I highly doubt that Westbrook and his camp trust the Lakers enough to do this, Sure, but he's got his player option. Uh, what if to help the Lakers build out the roster better and save some money, they, they even finish below the tax, he opted out and uh, re-signed for like two years, 60 mil. So now he's making like 30 mil uh, each year, but now you got that extra year. So yeah, Westbrook, so Westbrook makes like an extra 13 mil. I don't know. I, 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 based on how things are going, I don't know if he'll ever get that in a, in a season again. So it's a, it could be something where you know he gets just locks in some more money now, um, yeah that would so that would you know you can keep Westbrook you can try him out again under Ham see if that if there's any change but all, at the same time uh, you don't give up any assets to get rid of him and you save like a good amount of money where uh, now using the the full mid level and the BAE is a little more realistic maybe you got to now offload like Tucker or something or uh, and Kend- or or Kend- and maybe or Kendrick Nunn to really make it all fit, uh, but um, yeah, just like basically, yeah, it's not gonna happen. But just so you get an idea, how much money needs to get reduced? Sure. Uh, definitely like 20 to 25 mil range at least. Yeah, that's definitely a creative option. I can tell you right now as a fan of the Lakers, I would not want that to happen because that means Westbrook is back next year. And then any additional sacrifices that have to be made to accommodate Westbrook, even offloading none and THT to me are just not worth it. Um, So I would rather go offload him to like an OKC and get rid of like $20 million of, of his salary and take back Derek Favors and like Ty Jerome or something like that. Or the other option is the stretch option, which we'll dive into a little bit more later. Um, But I do have some additional questions. With regards to the biannual exception, you mentioned these days a lot of teams are not using it as often. Is there a scenario where the Lakers can use the BAE but not the full MLE? Or would that be pointless since using either triggers the hard cap? And theoretically, if you have enough space under that hard cap, you should have enough to also use the full Emily, if that makes any sense. Is it ever the case that a team just uses the BAE and they're like, yeah, we won't use the full Emily because we're too close? I don't know if that's happened. But yeah, I mean, just just using, even if you use just like half of the BAE, just using a little bit of it will hard cap a team automatically. So at that point, uh, you might as well just have spent the uh, full tax, the the full mid-level instead uh, yeah, I can't really think if there's ever been a time that a team spent more of their BAE than than mid-level. Can't, can't say I recall. Gotcha. Makes sense. Okay, so pretty much just treat the full MLE and BAE in conjunction with one another as far as the Lakers are concerned, um, because it's not worth it to hard cap yourself if you're only going to use like $4 million or even less than that. 100%. Uh, with, re- with regards to the trade exceptions you mentioned, the Lakers do have a $2.7 million trade exception from the Marcus deal, and I believe they also have like a 1.5-ish uh, exception from the Rajon Rondo deal. 
Now, you mentioned that it's probably not likely that the Lakers use that, but could they go to a team with a roster crunch or a team well into the luxury tax who's looking to cut a player making around $2.5 million and just take that player on for them? Like, for example, like Svima Kailu on the Raptors, right? He has a player option, and let's say the Raptors are like, okay, we don't actually want you to take that player option, but Svi's like, I'm opting in. And then the Lakers are like, hey, we like Svi. We drafted him. We remember him. Masai, would you give us Svi and you can have this traded player exception and you don't have to worry about cutting him or using up a roster spot. In that situation, could you see something working out? I can see it happening. The only thing is that uh, so both those trade exceptions the Lakers have are basically the minimum. Right. Just, you know, different numbers, but they're both essentially the minimum. So if a minimum player is available, then they can just act. They don't even need to use a trade exception. They could just absorb them. Like yeah, like Savi, it's a he signed a two-year minimum, so yeah, they don't even need to use that trade exception. They could just absorb them without it. That's another reason why these very small minimum-like exceptions rarely get used, is because most of the time the uh, salary that they can absorb with it, it's not necessary to use that trade exception to use it. It, it would have to be like a three or four-year hinky special type minimum player. Because that's not technically a minimum contract. Then you could use then then that trade exception makes sense. And there's far fewer players like that out there. I see what you're saying. So like the Lakers, if they wanted Svi, would have to give up like a second round pick anyways, and at that point just absorb him his two point seven. So I mean, if the Raptors don't want him, it could just Raptors could give him cash. Lakers could give him a fake second. It could be something like that. Gotcha. Uh, and then they still have those trade exceptions. Like an example of a player that would that could fit in those exceptions is like I'm looking at Indiana. They've got Terry Taylor and Dwayne Washington. They just mm-hmm. uh and and I think Brissett too, I think they all signed three or four year minimum deals. So they would have to be taken in with the trade exception. I see. And, yeah. So but those, you know, I, the other thing is those uh types of players have that much that many years of making that little. There, there's like there's a lot of value there and mm-hmm. teams don't really just wanna don't want to just give that away. Yeah, I would love Brissett, but I know the Pacers are very high on that guy. And they have him on the cheap, like you said. Another guy would be uh, Tony Bradley of the Bulls if he opts into his player option. I don't know why the Lakers would want Tony Bradley, but I know the Bulls don't really care much for Tony Bradley, but yeah. All right, with that said, let's take it to break first. And when we return, we'll talk about Russell Westbrook and some actual specific free agent names that the Lakers could look at. Hey, folks, it's still me. It's Jonathan. Halftime midway, Jonathan, at the break. So by this point, we've released about six to seven podcasts dedicated solely to free agency and the Lakers' options this offseason. And if you've been following along, you should be pretty well versed at this point on who all of the Lakers' best targets are. And we actually have an upcoming episode where we fantasy GM build out a roster of free agents for the Lakers and try to fill in the six or seven potential open roster spots that the Lakers will likely have to fill out this summer. So if you'd like to join in on the fantasy GMing fun, shoot us your free agency roster for the Lakers in the form of a five-star Apple podcast rating and review, and I'll grade them. I'll grade your rosters. I'll analyze them in a future podcast or segment or highlight some of my favorites on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. We just wanted to try a more interactive angle here when it comes to asking you guys for rating and reviews and 
we wanted to give listeners the chance to let their voices be heard. So whether you've reviewed us in the past or you've never reviewed us, please shoot us your 7-spot free agency roster build via a 5-star Apple Podcast rating and review. Give me one mini MLE target and six veteran minimum targets. If you'd like, give me your most ideal offseason with Monk taking the mini MLE and then your most ideal Lakers offseason with someone else taking the mini MLE besides Monk. So again, fill out seven roster spots, one mini MLE spot, and six veteran minimum candidates. So yeah, have some fun with it. And also just know that you're really helping out the overall Lakers Legacy podcast cause with your five-star rating and review. Because again, this is the main means by which our podcast gains visibility and can continue to thrive and pump out content on a more consistent basis. So yeah, all in all, thanks for your support. I'm looking forward to seeing some of your guys' creative roster builds. And with that said, please enjoy the rest of the show. All right, so we're back. Yazzie, let's talk about Russell Westbrook and more specifically what to do with Russell Westbrook. At this point, and you mentioned this in your Lakers offseason preview, that, you know, Russell Westbrook to you was a neutral trade asset because he's an expiring $47 million. And I guess caveat this, right? He's a neutral trade asset if the Lakers are looking to take back multi-year deals. Um, But obviously, who those multi-year deal players are specifically matters for the Lakers and also for the other team. If the Lakers can't find any players on multi-year deals who they'll actually utilize, then what can they actually do with with Westbrook, right? At that point, that's why you're hearing, okay, well, you have to attach a first-round pick or multiple first-round picks. So... Now that it's been a couple weeks since you've done the Lakers, since you've written up your Lakers preview... What would you say Westbrook's trade value is at this point, and do you think the Lakers will be able to find an adequate deal? And I do want to state that not nothing has really changed since the time that you wrote that article, and Westbrook right now can't even really be traded because he hasn't opted into his player option. So any swaying you see on one side of or the other is really just kind of narrative-based, but I don't know where you stand on that and his trade value right now. Yeah, look, I think he's just a giant expiring contract. Um, and yeah, it's a very big number. But uh, I and understand, you know, he's not uh, he's far he's worth far less than that based on his production. But anyone that's trading for him, they're not trading for him as a player. They're trading for him as an expiring contract. And mm-hmm. I'm sure right now it's my feeling is her uh, if the Lakers are not at all willing to give up assets to move off Westbrook in conjunction with like maybe taking on some like very average mid-tier salaries to make it work, then most likely there's not going to be any offer because like OKC, I don't think they're going to take in Westbrook without like at least one first round pick. Mm -hmm. And I could see why the Lakers wouldn't want to do that unless they're getting some, some like decent players back. And OKC doesn't, and then, you know, when you start to look into that, it's not, it just doesn't really work. Like there's a lot of, then OKC is starting, they might, at that point, they're going to want more first round picks if they're going to, you know, uh, give something a little, uh, give something back. Um, uh, You got, and then you got teams like Indiana, like one of the more uh, popular type of uh, frameworks out there is if they trade them to Indiana Maybe they can uh, take on two of Buddy Heald, Malcolm Brogdon, Miles Turner, or maybe even just one of them because they could do an uneven trade. But if you're a team like Indiana, unless you, it, it doesn't make that much sense to just tie up everything, all your cap space, all your flexibility 
in taking on Westbrook, even if you get some solid uh, picks back, it just because like it's just too early to do that and just completely tie everything up. So I kind of get the feeling that part of this is teams are breaking the Lakers' balls, just like hey, like oh, you want us to take Westbrook? You got to give us a pick. Like sure, yeah. There's there, I think that's part of it right now, but later in the season, uh, some some team you know the seasons is going to shape out and the 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 order of the league like who's good who's not that's going to start to be known and there's going to be teams that are like out of it they're going to start looking in the future start uh bottoming out and trying to get like a good pick and then they could be uh then then it starts to change now it's like hey you know what uh maybe we want to get some cap space in 2023 Let's uh, trade some of our average long-term salaries for Westbrook. And a team that comes up in my mind are the Knicks, where mm-hmm. uh, they've got a very critical 2023 offseason coming up, where um, right now they're not expected to have cap space. But uh, if they were to offload uh, Fournier and potentially Randall, then they can have a lot of cap space while also uh, factoring in a new likely huge contract for R.J. Barrett. Mm-hmm. So at that point, it's like, okay, maybe we can trade Fournier and Burks and whoever, Kemba Noel, will take on Westbrook. Westbrook expires. So that's where I'm seeing it, where the league isn't talking to the – no one's going to the Lakers and, like, and coming at them with, with the idea that Westbrook's currently a neutral value. Uh, but later on in the season, once teams know where they're at, uh, that's when – It'll, the conversation, I think, will start to change. And a deal like the Knicks one I propose can start to be a realistic option. Sure. Now, let's say you're Rob Palenka. So what would you personally do with Westbrook? And I'll tell you my frame of mind, because I understand that by the trade deadline midseason, okay, Westbrook, you can probably find suitors because people know where they stand, like you mentioned, and know what they want to do heading into the next offseason. I, as a Lakers fan, after seeing this Lakers roster turn over and flip its roster over like every season and seeing what just happened last year with us not getting off to a good start and how and realizing how damaging that can be when you're not off to the right footing and how, what a cascading, what a cascadingly negative effect that can have on the rest of your season. For me, I would like to sort this out before any of that stuff. I don't know how realistic that is, but let's say... Let's say it's imperative for Rob Palenka that he does not want Westbrook on the team start of training camp. If that's his stance, would you say that he has to figure this out before free agency? When you ask me if I'm Rob Palenka, do I have the liberty to do whatever I want or do I have a mandate to do whatever but with trying to keep the team as competitive in the short term? Let's just say you have the mandate to do whatever you want. And I know that's not realistic because the Lakers. No, because the thing is, uh, I just the biggest issue with the Lakers is how damaging last offseason was, where it's not it's not even just so much the fact that they did the Westbrook trade, but just everything that they everything that uh, it costs to do this because they traded three solid role players for Westbrook, who was a negative, but then and then they also in the process uh, let Caruso go. So it's basically like a four for zero. So you gave up 
not only four, like you basically just like gave away four uh, solid role players on like pretty sizable contracts that are movable and you got zeros and now you replace them with min with min, now you can only replace them with minimum slots and the occasional taxpayer mid-level and, and let me put it this way let's say uh the lakers hypothetically can turn westbrook and a couple and, and like two first round picks into like damian lillard so they just hypothetically mm-hmm. which that's not that's not gonna happen i still think the lakers kind of top out of the five six seed just because how they're still going to have the same problem of last year where they're going to have these three massive salary slots and just a bunch of minimum contracts. You're still right. going to have 10 minimum contracts, and that's just a recipe for zero production. Like None of these guys did anything, with the right. few exception of the young guys that are still on the roster. So... That's the thing. Like, if you so 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 that's so. Look, I, the way I see, it, like, I would just, I personally, I would blow it up. Uh, just it's hard. I just don't see like much of a path to content to actually like be a title contender with LeBron and Davis. Mm-hmm. Uh, just given how like they're always going to have these issues filling out the rest of the roster as long as these guys are making as much money as they are. But uh, as far as like trying to turn. Westbrook into something that can trying to trying to fix the the Westbrook issue in his salary slot to try to fix it all I can say is that if they can you know trade him into some into like several they can break him down into several role players uh then you know you you can you start to reset some of the damage done you start to have more tradable salaries now you're kind of a little more able to uh you know, uh, try to uh, make some, you're setting yourself for more moves later. Now, would you, would you add a first round pick to make that happen? I wouldn't. It would have to, I personally, and this is just me, I, I don't think people feel as strongly on this as I do. I personally value uh, far out first round picks uh, very highly. Like who knows where any team's going to be two years from now let alone five years from now. Sure. Like you saw this year, what happened to the Lakers pick to new Orleans, the Clippers pick to, uh, the thunder, the Nets pick to Houston. They all ended up being like a lot higher than, uh, expected at the time those deals were done. Uh, and and you could see like with the amount of picks, the Lakers already have owed like this year's pick, which ended up being the eighth overall, uh, next year, they can't really tank because the Pelicans, like if they wanted to tank, not that they would, but like if they wanted to, like if things got bad, the Pelicans have a swap right for the next year's pick, and then uh, twenty twenty four and twenty twenty five, they owe one of those picks, and so like it's, there's a there's a there's a scenario where the Lakers continue to be like not necessarily terrible, but like still pretty below where they want to be, and they don't even have they can't even get rewarded with the pick to to try to have someone to develop or at least an asset to move. Right. So yeah, it's, I just don't think it's very, it's, it's pragmatic at all to trade more future picks with the point of likely just maximizing one or two seasons around LeBron and Davis. Cause with LeBron, uh, he's about, he's about to be 38. I mean, you don't like. I'm sure you'll continue playing at a high level for at least three years, 
but I just don't think that's a good use of picks uh, to get like some just to fix this Westbrook problem and get some solid role players when like there's a good chance the value of those picks and what they become five years from now greatly exceeds whatever value they get for them in the short term. Sure. And I agree with you. And I'm, you know, having done this podcast for like five years, I love the draft. The draft is my time. So I love picks. Yeah. But also giving like understanding. So for this is just like a personal preference thing, right? Just having had to undergo the Westbrook experience for a whole season. I feel like I'm so, so tired and fed up with it that I'm willing to almost do anything that's to get him off my team, which probably isn't like a rational or sane stance to be taking. But I'm also sort of practically also looking at the LeBron James situation, which is why you outlined if you were Rob Palenka, you would just kind of blow the whole thing up so there's not so many competing things you have to deal with, including LeBron's closing window. And when I think about LeBron's closing window, when you sign LeBron, you almost have an obligation to the dude to make sure that you're putting together the best roster you can that season, regardless of whether or not it affects you down the road. And so for me, putting two and two together, also including my you know big hatred for what I had to undergo with this Westbrook experience, I'm almost like, look, there's an argument to be made that because Rob Palenka has been throwing away first round picks left and right the past few seasons, like this is the time that he should stop. For me, I'm like, you got to fix this. You got to correct this situation. Don't let this be the one time that you finally stop giving up first round picks because you owe it to LeBron James. So really, he only gave up first round picks in the Davis trade. He gave up like three or four. That, that was it. Schroeder, he gave up one for Schroeder. And then he also gave up one for Westbrook. And to me, the Westbrook yeah, one was absolutely right. like un- unnecessary. It's just just super unnecessary. But regardless, and I understand that if I was managing the Lakers, like, I, I wouldn't be allowed to blow it up. That's not an option. I get that. But I, I guess to answer like more realistically, I just I, I would not stretch Westbrook. That is just like a no, no. That's mm-hmm. like like I just what I've told people, that, you know, you just got off having Luol Deng five million for three years. Now, you can, if you stretch Westbrook, you're going to have three Luol Dangs for three years, 15 mil uh, dead cap hit. Like that's just uh, you don't do that. Uh, I would either like, again, what I would do, I would not trade, I would not, uh, unless it's like, you're getting someone like really good. And again, there's not many players out there that's available that can really like change, like that can really significantly like boost the Lakers roster through like just a single Westbrook trade. Like maybe I'd give up a first if, if a certain type of player became available. But other than that, I would just be patient um, because, um, and just, I would just wait till the trade deadline when it's more, e- it's going to be a little easier to trade him and then mm-hmm. try to get those like mid-sized contracts. That's all you could really do. I, sure. uh, I would, you know, it, I would, like I said, I personally value those, uh, those, uh, future, those far out first round picks, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, just be patient with it. There's going to be, I think I'm already like prepared. There's probably going to be, if I'm the Lakers, I'm prepared for another year of pain coming up, but then he's off the books and then you, you can, you have a lot more flexibility after. And uh, yeah, it just, there's really, I just don't see like a, like an overnight fix. And I just, I would just be a little patient. I'm glad that you're the voice of reason here because I'm obviously running off of fumes and emotions and whatnot. 
Let's take it to break here. And when we return, I will just ask you some additional questions and then we'll get into general free agency. So we will catch you guys after the turn. All right, so we're back. I wanted to quickly ask you, promise we'll pivot off of the Westbrook thing in a hot second. But if Rob Palenka has it in his mind that he needs Westbrook off by training camp, would he have to figure out the Westbrook thing by free agency? Or could you foresee him you know, going through the rigmarole of free agency and building out a roster with Westbrook still there and then saying, okay, let me try and find a trade for him, like, I don't know, in August or something. Because for me, it would have to happen literally in that very short time frame window between the draft and when free agency starts. I think they're more likely to find the Westbrook trade at the beginning of free agency Mm -hmm. than like right before the season starts. Because at that point, teams are already like, getting ready with what they have. Uh, I would say that's like the least likely time they're, they're to find the, that they'll find the Westbrook right, right before training camp. I, you know, if, if I have a trade Westbrook mandate, most likely it's going to come at the cost of at least one future first round pick. And it would have to be done like now. I'd, I'd have to start right. trying to get OKC. I'd have OKC on the phone or Indiana and just try to hammer something out because like now would be the time. Right. For sure. All right. So let's move off of the Westbrook stuff and get into actual free agency talk as it pertains to the Lakers. Uh, they have one sort of, you know, major standout candidate that produced more than his minimum contract last season. I guess you could add Carmelo Anthony to that as well, but I'm mainly talking about, of course, Malik Monk. So in your opinion, what's Malik Monk's value if he's willing to take the mini MLE of $6 million, would you give it to him if you were the Lakers, given their other needs at the wing and forward spots? Um, if there, I think there's definitely going to be some... Uh, I like Monk. I think he's good on a... He's only played on mediocre to bad teams so far. So it's hard to tell what he can bring to like a really good team. Like I'm look like... When I see like the top four teams, for example, the the like the conference finalists, I don't really, I'm not sure Monk has a role on like any of those teams, uh, partly because of like defensive limitations. So I think that that definitely is going to play into how how what is what he ends up getting, because on when you just look at his numbers and all that he definitely you can argue like you know it wouldn't be insane to give him like the full mid-level or something but i think the tax pyramid level that's definitely like very fair mm-hmm. i think i'd be comfortable with giving him that even if there's a good chance he might not be in my rotation in the playoffs which in that case uh that offer should be there and the lakers would probably have to make that available to him if they want to keep it because if i mean if he gets like a pretty good offer um, that the Lakers can't like. Let's say he gets more than the tax pyramid level. Uh, I I think if I were him, I would take it because mm-hmm. uh, you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, and they just, you just went through a season on the minimum. But uh, if the Lakers had the chance to match it, I don't know because I you know if there is a Westbrook trade, I could see like I know they're still after Buddy Hield, for example, which I think you know that's a possible scenario. If you get Buddy Hield. I don't think I would want to bring back Malik Monk at that point. Sure. I think you're going to pay Buddy Hill a lot of money to do a lot of the same stuff. 
uh, that then just to look look start looking for another need. Uh, look, uh, I think I would look out for a uh, a good point guard. Uh, ideally, try to get a good wing player, but I think the good uh, three and D wings are going to be definitely like full taxpayer plus full full non taxpayer plus. So it's going to be tough for the Lakers to get a three and D guy, mm-hmm. uh, and especially if you look at these finals, like the value of those guys are going up. Right. Um, so if there's no, but I would definitely, basically, I would keep my options open, see if there's anyone better they can get. But uh, otherwise, if there's no nothing better, you already have the continuity with them. Yeah. Yep. Uh, at that point, I don't see why not. I also think Malik Monk on a $6 million contract, one, that's extra salary ballast for you, but you also have like a 24-year-old on that deal. I feel like that's easily movable in the future as well. So I think I would it would behoove the Lakers, in my opinion, to, if you can retain Monk at $6 million, to go with him versus like a position of need where, let's say, Derek Jones Jr. is available. And I know you said, you know, most wings are going to go for non-taxpayer. But let's say Derek Jones is willing to take $6 million again. I think I would still lean Monk just because it's easier to trade you know, a 24-year-old monk who's flashy with the offensive stats than, say, Derek Jones Jr., who everybody kind of knows what he is at this point, even though he's long and athletic. So I, I'm kind of also viewing, like, who's going to be the better trade asset in the future if you need to move off of him? And I think Monk can continue to grow in that contract and that role. So right now you would say he's probably 6 to $10 million in that range? Yeah, probably on the lower end, to be honest. So, okay. Uh, yeah, just because, like, yeah, I'm looking at these playoffs, and yeah, he wouldn't he wouldn't see a minute with either of these teams. Right. All right. With that said, let's get into some general free agency questions. Um, I guess this is kind of still Lakers uh, specific, but we're going to actually get into some names now. But what realistic names would you personally target for the Lakers if you were Rob Palenka? So give me your top three for the mini Emily. So uh, I mean, I'll I guess I'll take a look at. I, I have a before every free agency, I'll list every free agent. Mm-hmm. including players that could be waived or players with pending options. And I just kind of look at where I see their potential salary range and then just, you know, see if I'm right. Mm-hmm. And I'll just go, like, I'll, I'm going to go through a couple players that I I personally kind of think are going to be priced out, just so you get an idea. Uh, my feeling is, like, Tyus Jones, uh, Bruce Brown, Nick Batum, if he opts out. Otto Porter, Mitchell Robinson, uh, I think, and, and like P.J. Tucker if he opts out, uh, and maybe Patty Mills if he opts out. I think that's like a, a group of players that are definitely, like I, I, if I'm a team with the full mid-level exception, I would throw that at them. Mm-hmm. And if I'm a team with cap space, I would try to outbid that for these guys. Okay. Um, that's just, you know, my opinion. So I think most likely... A lot of those, and there's more players in there like Gary Harris. Um, I just don't think they're gonna be able to get in the mix for them. So a couple guys I could see, and again, it's it's not the most spicy list, but I'll try to pick some of the more exciting names I could see. Sure. Uh, there's Gary Payton the second. I feel mm-hmm. like he's somewhere in that range. Okay. Uh, uh, Nick Claxton, but he's uh, restricted. I feel like he's feel like a taxpayer-ish guy. You've got uh, Sergi Baca, Dylan Wright, kind of interesting because he had a really good playoffs. Maybe he made him, maybe he he priced himself out a little bit after like he was like one of the only guys on the Hawks who couldn't like do anything in the Heat right. series. 
but uh but yeah i gotta update this list. it's been a while but like, <laughs> it's pre-playoffs but uh yeah i got danny green listed in there but he's not gonna play next year right uh then and but yeah like i mentioned earlier uh i feel like the taxpayer is big for uh point guards and backup big men so a lot of backup big men like i could see thomas bryan robin lopez javel mcgee chris boucher uh marvin bagley uh, you mentioned Derek Jones Jr. Uh, so those are some of the backup big men. I listed Isaiah Hardenstein, but honestly, I'm thinking now he might make a lot more because he was such a beast this year. Yeah, yeah. All the advanced analytics have him doing some crazy stuff rim protection-wise and even on the perimeter. Um, he would be great in Darvin Ham's system, especially coming from the Milwaukee Bucks, who where they utilize guys like Brooke Lopez and Serge Ibaka and Bobby Portis. So Yeah, so not... For point guards, I get, then there's like you know uh, Raul Neto, maybe like maybe Lonnie Walker. I don't know what his honestly I don't know what his market's gonna be like. <laughs> um, but uh, oh, and then you got you got Dragic and and I'm sure Bledsoe will be available. Yeah, you know Bledsoe kind of counts. I would yeah. So if they're looking for a veteran, then those are the guys. And honestly, I don't think these the, a lot of these. I, if I'm the Lakers, honestly, I would not use the tax pyramid level on like a veteran. I yeah. would go for just another young, high upside guy. And I think the the hot name that everybody wants to get on their team and probably are willing to overpay <laughs> is Mo Bamba. Yeah, uh, I think that's a so that's that's interesting because like I think I would probably give him the taxpayer. Mm-hmm. But I can see some team just being like, oh, you know what? I gotta, I gotta take a shot on him. I'll give you like the full mid level. We'll see. And then the other thing is, there's gonna be a good amount of restricted free agents that will that don't become restricted free agents now. Uh, qualifying offers have gotten so big that players are like they're just flat out not really worth those qualifying offers. So teams are just gonna make them unrestricted, like Monk. Yeah, yeah. I was still kind of surprised that they did that though. Like. Yeah. I would have paid him that. Sure, sure. But to your point, teams are renouncing more than they are, you know, keeping that hold. So, so I think Lonnie Walker, he's might be the best restricted free agent who gets his. Uh, him and Mo Bamba might be the guys, the best uh, restricted free agents that get their qualifying offers pulled and become unrestricted, uh, largely because you know, like Spurs just have so many guards. I don't know where he fits long term. Now they also have Primo and. Facel to develop, but also uh, if they, you know, he's uh, he kind of interferes with their cap space. Depending how much cap space they want to use, uh, they can uh, they can just let him go. So like like a guy like him, uh, I would pursue. Uh, yeah, Mo Bamba if possible. Sorry, can I give you a name? Kind of in the same vein that Shu mentioned, Mo Bamba. One guy that I've circled. For the mini MLE. And actually it's it's been Rob Palinka's trend to reserve that MLE, whether it's the full MLE of like nine to ten million or the mini MLE of five to six million. He's usually, and it, there's not a long track record, but he's usually given it to a younger player. So Montrez Harrell, Kendrick Nunn, right? They're usually not 30-year-olds or whatever. Um, so this year I feel like that candidate outside of Mo Bamba, and maybe this guy is too inexperienced to take this chance, but I've kind of also circled Jalen Smith. For that I role? was just thinking him because um, I'm, I'm looking at his number. Okay, so the Pacers can't give him more than $4.7 million next year. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he needs to. I, don't, I wouldn't like give him like the 
fool him. I, I, oh, wow. At this point, any team that tries to steal him from the Pacers, you know, yeah, you, you can I would bid for him, but you don't need to go too crazy for him, I think. Like, mm-hmm. he's showing a lot of potential for sure. But, uh, yeah, that, that I think that's a definitely a – I've got him in that range, Jalen Smith. Uh, yeah, he's unrestricted. Yeah, 100%. If they can get him, I think I would even – consider just uh making like trying to get on him early see if he can yeah. down no me too I, I think for me i would try and i would still try and see if hardenstein would go for the six million and i know the clippers can also give him yeah. like, like, that mid-level too i think the difference would be the lakers may be promising him like a larger role right because the clippers still have zubats there yeah. if they pick up his club option and hopefully darvin ham helps with the recruiting process and telling hardenstein look i work with big men i know how to use them in my system lopez ibaka portis whatever you could be part of that along uh, with ad yeah. so i would put hardenstein number one for the mini emily but if you can't get him then i would pivot really quickly to jalen smith i almost wouldn't bother with mo bamba i mean i would try but i feel like to your point someone could easily give him like $10 million if they wanted to. Like Charlotte Hornets, for example, they're always looking for big men. They'd probably be first knocking on his door. So, But a guy um, like Bamba, though, I think he's also definitely going to take a role into consideration. That's true. Because if any, because no, I don't know, I don't think there's really any team that wants to give a guy like him a, like a long-term deal right now at big money. I think it's very much like, hey, let's let's see how you look uh, in, a, in a new situation and maybe you just needed a change of scenery. And then from there, uh, we can evaluate. Uh, and you can make an argument that, uh, like, same thing was you just said about Isaiah Hardenstein, that just Mo Obama can have a big opportunity with the Lakers, and that could uh, that could put them in serious consideration. Uh, one, A couple other guys I'm looking at, Josh Okogie. I yes. think, uh, yeah, he, he I'm, my feeling is they'll for sure decline his... Uh, qualifying offer i want to say it's like four or five million he was not at all in the rotation mm-hmm. um so we will see um yeah i mean young high upside i i think that's where i would prioritize the mle before uh looking at any veteran i 100 percent agree with you in the end the best players on the lakers last year were the young guys yeah, and also, I mean, Yaza, you have to think about it from, given the fact that the Lakers don't have enough salary ballast, you can't have, like, a Jeff Green type in your $6 million spot, because if he sputters out for you, then you can't even trade him after that, you know? At least if you have, like, a 20-year-old with some upside, and you need to move off of him or get another position of need, you can do so, right? Obviously, it didn't work out with none, but who could have foreseen like him being out of out for the whole season because of like a stress reaction or injury or whatever. Um, with that said, let's do rapid fire free agent questions and you can literally give me yes or no answers. And I'll also ask you, hey, do you think this guy could be had for the mini Emily or no? Um, so really quickly, out of the following non-guaranteed players, who do you think is likely to be waived? So we've got Eric Bledsoe, Danilo Gallinari, Kelly Oubre, Mason Plumley, Juancho Hernan Gomez, and Chemezi Metu. Who out of those do you think may get waived and the Lakers can maybe come in and poach? I think for sure Bledsoe, yep. Gallinari, and Hernan Gomez. Okay. Uh, I highly doubt Oubre, Plumley, yeah. or Metu get waived. Uh, those are some solid value deals. Uh, yeah, Bledsoe, I think we're just waiting for his guarantee date. Portland's going to... They, they they extended it to, like, I think a week after the moratorium or something. So it was around July 10th where they're trying to uh, 
see, you know, see if they can trade him for something first. I don't know. Like maybe there's a deal they could use his salary for salary matching purposes. Gallinari, I'm sure it's going to be the same type of thing. I wouldn't be surprised if Atlanta, uh, like one of the deals I'm looking at for OKC, if they do something with their cap space, like worst case scenario, maybe they take in Danilo Gallinari. Uh, that because um, and like just take on a second to do it. Atlanta gets off that five million guarantee, and OKC could just cut them, and that they just incur that cap hit, get a little second. If you got nothing better with your cap space to do, I I could totally see that happening. I think he'll be available, but definitely a full MLE guy. Uh, Hernan Gomez. Um, he was on Hustle, LeBron James movie company. I mean, I actually like Juancho Hernan Gomez. I don't know what he'd go for, but I haven't watched the movie. But I know I've 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 re- I've heard like I listened to a podcast. They explain like basically what happens, mm-hmm. and it's funny because I I think he will get waived. I think seven million is a bit much for him right now. Sure. Uh, uh, so yeah, Hustle. I'm not gonna spoil what I heard, yeah. but I, all I know is that like Adam Silver, Adam Sandler plays a scout for the Sixers and he's trying to convince them to sign Hern, uh, Hernan Gomez's character who's like I guess just like a very like a very unknown player in mm-hmm. from Spain and it's funny because I can totally see Daryl Morey going after Juancho Hernan Gomez like a, for that like that is exactly the type of player he would take a swing on mm-hmm. uh, I wouldn't be shocked if Hernan Gomez is a Sixer this year oh man I would hope that you know Rob Palenka tries and get him, tries to get him, but I don't. I also don't know if you'd want to spend, you know, the taxpayer mid level on a guy like Juancho. Um, give me some yes or no answers on players likely to opt out of their player option. Nick Batum, no, right? Oh wait, wait, it's yes. Uh, le- yeah, sorry, that was unclear. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like yes or no. Yeah, let me know if yes, they're going to opt out. Okay. Nick Batum. Batum, yes. But likely for a. Larger deal with the Clippers, right? I, yeah. I would assume. Yeah. PJ Tucker. So that's very 50-50. I want to lean slightly yes, because he was just so important to the Heat. I think there's going to be teams that still want him, and he should still get around the same. Uh, if he opts out, that he can give him a little raise. Yes. Just okay. in case, in case for whatever reason, there's no uh, suitors for him, I think there will be, though. Okay. Jeff Green. No. Tony Bradley. I, yes, just because it's a minimum contract, and it's like he'll, it, I think he'll, unless like no one wants to sign him, and I'm sure he'll, you know, he's getting that intel. But like, like I'm, he's getting the intel whether there's at all like a single offer. If there's a single minimum offer out there, then yes, he'll opt out. I think there will be. Mm-hmm. Svima Kailu. Same thing. Yes. Yes, he's going to opt out. Yeah, for the same okay. reasons as Tony Bradley, I mentioned. Okay. Yeah. Patty Mills. Uh, opting in. Uh, okay. Yeah think so pat Connaughton, opt out okay do you think yeah, he could he, get he, i think he made like himself 8 a million? lot of money in these playoffs he looked yeah and he's gonna have a lot of leverage on the bucks who need to uh bring back everybody sure okay great that was cool who out of this list who's likely to be renounced so we just previously talked about how teams are, are doing this more and more you can give me a yes on they're likely to be renounced okay so oh yeah so you mean like not get the qualifying offer okay not get the qualifying offer. They get their qualifying offer rescinded, and all of a sudden he's an unrestricted free agent um, like Monk. So Troy Brown Jr. Yeah, Troy Brown, he will not get it. Uh, cool. He will be unrestricted, yeah. Uh, Josh Okogie, you said, yes, he's probably going to get renounced. Yeah. Isaiah Roby. So Roby's got a team option, but OKC's got a massive, massive roster crunch right now, yeah. where if you include their first-round picks, they have like 18 players. Plus, they got their second-round picks. 
So, yeah, I'm sure they're not going to draft all those players, but uh, they got to cut some of those some of those guys and i think at this point you might as well just uh decline roby so i think he'll be available i like roby for the veteran veteran minimum if the lakers can get younger uh he's a kind of a versatile forward um hamadou diallo is not a qualifying offer guy i kind of messed my list up here messed up my list here but he's a club option guy but do you think that the pistons exercise that club option or let him go I think I think that's a pretty solid deal for him. I think they'll want to keep it on, unless they like need to get like a maximize their cap space. But they're already gonna have a, a lot. Like if they wanted to go after Aiden, they can do that without uh, getting rid of Diallo. So mm-hmm. uh, I think they keep him. Okay, now we're back on track with the qualifying offer, guys. Amir Coffey. Uh, he they definitely will. He will definitely get a qualifying offer. Okay. Jordan Nora of the Bucks. I think uh, they. I, I want to say yeah, they'll give him it. Yeah, I think so. It's like cheap enough, right? Yeah. Um, now here's the interesting one, and and two guys that I've really looked at and wanted to the Lakers to target, the Martin twins, Caleb Martin and Cody Martin. I would imagine they're both gonna uh, get their qualifying offers for sure. Caleb, yeah. Cody, definitely. He can also, I believe he could, yeah, he could still be extended before free agency begins. I don't, I doubt it. Uh, it's very unusual. Like Covington's extension just now was like the first one between the end of the season and free agency to happen in like years. Uh, but uh, yeah, they'll probably be restricted. Now, do you think the Lakers would even try and pry them away if they were to become restricted? And would it take, do you think, the taxpayer? So $6 million for Cody or Caleb? For Cody, I want to say yeah, because um, I, I I think they're, he's pretty similar to like Malik Monk, mm-hmm. like just scoring guard off the bench. So yeah. Caleb, uh, it's hard to tell what his market is because he just had this one really good season and it was with the Heat and, you know, he was a big part of their success and they were a great team. Uh, I don't know. I, I can't... I. It's hard for me to gauge what kind of offer he'll get, though. Mm-hmm. Very hard. But you'd probably agree with me. If they're extended their qualifying offers, the Lakers will look elsewhere because they don't want to tie up their money to yeah. you know, guys like this. Yeah, because then you're you're making, a, what's it called, an offer sheet, basically, to mm-hmm. them. And teams don't do offer sheets anymore. It's right. a waste of time. Like, yeah. you, it's 2022. Like, you kind of know, like, people talk, you know. Sure. Uh, the the T word it happens you know if you know what what a player wants to do and and whatnot for sure okay so rapid fire on these lower end guys uh, back to the qualifying offer yes they get let off of their qualifying offer Utah Watanabe let me take a look uh, he he's unrestricted oh I thought he had a qualifying offer I I'm pretty I'm looking at my thing yeah unless I'm wrong I'm pretty sure he's unrestricted yeah. Okay, well, that's great if he is. I know on Spot Track, he has, they have him as a qualifying offer of $2 million, $2.2 million. So this was his fourth season. Mm-hmm. And unless you're a first round pick, if you're like a second round pick slash undrafted player, you only have a restricted free agency eligibility through your first three seasons. Mm-hmm. So this was his fourth season gotcha. uh, of, of experience. He had two with Memphis, and this was his second with Toronto. So he's unrestricted. Okay, okay great. I I stand corrected. Maybe Spot Track has it off, but um, what about what about Moses Brown, who the Cavs picked up towards the end of the season on a ten day, and then you know signed him to a standard contract? Moses Brown. I think there's a. I think 
I think they'll uh, not give him a, a qualifying offer. Okay. So Moses Brown could potentially be had as a cheap big. Um, I, I think he will definitely be unrestricted. Okay. They need as much flexibility for sure. whatever Sexton might get. And the Lakers need to pick up anybody with a pulse that they can get. And <laughs> Moses Brown would be one of those guys. What about Nimeus Keita from the Kings? Nimeus Keita? Um... I mean, I, I can't imagine he's high on their totem pole of well, stuff. Well, his but... qualifying offer is so like... Cheap. It's It's not like the same type of qualifying offer we imagine. It's not the type that's like... If he accepts it, that's how much he's making, and it counts towards a payroll. So it's a two-way qualifying offer. I see. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know what they. I don't really know anything about Nemeus Queda. I, I don't think I'm qualified to answer. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. I, I just know he's young and he's long, but that's it. Okay, last guy on this list to make it easy for you, Bruno Fernando. Uh, Bruno Fernando. I think. Uh, I think they'll not make him a restricted free agent um they also have a big roster crunch mm-hmm. and uh they have enough now that they're about to have Paolo and they got they still have wood and shangun they and garuba like uh yeah there's no room for him cool all right quick rapid fire on club option guys tell me yes their team is gonna keep them club option wise zubats from the clippers 100 percent are gonna keep them okay I think we talked about this guy before. I, I'm i saying yes, but what are your thoughts on O'Shea Brissett and the Pacers? They'll keep him. He's uh, He is like pretty big part of their rotation. Mm-hmm. Still a lot of upside. Jalen McDaniels. They'll keep him. Uh, we said Hamadou Diallo, yes. What about Trey Lyles of the Sacramento Kings? Uh, that's a, look, I mean, I think that's a pretty solid uh, number. 2.6 million for Trey mm-hmm. Lyles. I think you keep him. It's like, like minimum territory, yeah. Yeah. Nas Reed of the Timberwolves. Nas Reed. Oh, uh, he's a minimum. Keep, they'll keep him. Uh, Shake Milton, Sixers. It's also minimum. They'll keep him. Jay Sean Tate. They'll 100% keep him. He's already and, way more than that, yeah. And I'm guessing this applies to Luca Garza from the Detroit Pistons because it's so cheap. Um. Yeah, I guess... Uh, See, yeah, I would I would probably keep him at this point. I don't know. I don't really know. <laughs> he makes so little that, you know, you can even keep him. And, like, let's say Summer League goes bad, you could just cut him, eat the dead money. It doesn't matter. For sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've noticed, uh, Yazi, but I've gone deep into who the it. heck are G League dudes who could be let off of their contracts because the Lakers... I am all about the deep cuts. Let's do it. Deep cuts. Okay. So to close this episode, because we've gone pretty long now, I'm just going to give you specific guys and you tell me Maybe he could be had for the mini Emily or, or no. So guys like Otto Porter Jr. you have as obviously the full tax at this point. Yeah. What about Thaddeus Young? He's interesting because he's 34, 33. I'd imagine his his floor would still be the tax pyramid level. But what do you think? You know, I have not given it much thought, but I don't think I'd want to give him the full mid level, to be honest. Uh He's me, me slightly more than that. Um, I think he could be gettable at the taxpayer. Okay. Uh, Derek Jones Jr., taxpayer? Potentially less. Oh, okay. I like that. The offense is just, it's not there. That's a, Right. Yeah. TJ Warren. So this guy's an interesting name because obviously we haven't seen him play for a year and a half. But yeah, do you think someone will still throw him like 
non-taxpayer money or i think that's tough because uh you know you know you never really know what's like we we're talking about how some players just got squeezed last offseason like again i was just like auto porter yeah he was like like auto porter had a lot of injuries and he got the min and like he ended up settling for the minimum with the warriors which was partly largely opportunity opportunity mm-hmm. wise and I get, you know, I could see the same kind of thing happening with TJ Warren, where he just missed essentially two years. And I think opportunity is going to be really important. At the same time, uh, he was so good in the bubble, like he was scoring, like he was he was like the bubble god with the with the <laughs> shooting. Yeah. Uh, I think that's something that like just with the amount of time he's lost that people I just might forget. But um, I also wouldn't be opposed to giving him like a one-year, ten million, partially guaranteed type of thing, make good deal. Uh, so yeah, I kind of think like yeah. So if he gets a big amount of money, it's like that. Uh, but I also a lot of variance basically. I also wouldn't be surprised if he just gets the minimum at a situation that he sure. likes. Now, Victor Oladipo is also an interesting case because probably without his playoff run, you'd say uh, probably the minimum again, maybe a portion of the taxpayer. But at this point, do you think he's starting at the taxpayer, Emily? I think he's definitely starting at the taxpayer. Um, And again, another guy with a lot of variance. I largely because um, the Heat are going to be trying to swing some type of trade. Uh, I'm sure they're going to uh, see what they can get with the combination of Hero, Duncan Robinson, and picks. And uh, they, so Oladipo has, they have his full bird right. So they could include him in a sign and trade and like inflate the, the salary to like better match with, uh, with, uh, for like a, a certain type of player, depending how expensive they are. Mm-hmm. In which case, Oladipo could make a lot of money just for uh, participating in this. Sure. Uh, very interesting situation. Like, if uh, most likely, you know, the Heat offer isn't like that nice. Not that many great players available. Like, I don't actually think Mitchell or Levine or uh, Beal get moved. But in like the small chance that happens, uh, Old Depot can participate and make himself a little more money. But mm-hmm. yeah, I would say taxpayer for sure at the the floor. Now, for guys like Mitchell Robinson and Yusuf Nurkic, they're probably at the very least the non-taxpayer Emily of ten million dollars, right? Yeah, I would, I would definitely throw that at them at Mitchell Robinson and Yusuf Nurkic. I think Yusuf Nurkic is definitely worth more. You know, it's I kind of I th- I feel like Nurkic and like Lou Williams, another guy like this, they just happen to become free agents at the worst possible <laughs> free agencies. Like if he was if Nurkic was a free agent a year earlier, he would have made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And he and then 2018 was kind of was like a pretty slow year, very little cap space. And that's I, and I feel like this offseason might be like that. And but then like 2019, 2020 would have made a lot more money, like mm-hmm. like any other year. And now same things happening right now, like uh, just wrong time. Um, For sure, a lot of these teams don't need centers. Uh, like I think he's worth at least whatever Jonas Valanciunas is making. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, you mentioned Chris Boucher. So you think Chris Boucher might be able to be had for the taxpayer, Emily? Yeah. And, and well, so I might be I might be like looking at him totally from the wrong lens, though. I don't I'm just kind of looking at it from the lens that 
Nick Nurse only plays seven guys and he just happens to not be one of them. And like, he's, it seems like he would be, which is kind of, which, which begs me the question, like, is it that Chris Boucher is not good enough or is it just that Nick Nurse is so obsessed with winning that he'll, it needs to be, he's going to be like playing seven guys only or whatnot. And mm-hmm. so it's very possible that I'm over, I'm undervaluing him. Uh, maybe he's worth more than the taxpayer. Uh, okay. But I also don't think it's unreasonable to take the stance that maybe the his lack of playing time in Tur- consistent playing time in Toronto may have hurt his stock from like mm-hmm. a, a, a full mid-level guy to the taxpayer. So I don't know. Um, I really don't know what the where where where, where I, exactly he might fall. Sure. One last mid-level guy that I'm going to ask you about is Torian Prince. Is he taxpayer mid-level? So. Very interesting player, and actually, I've out of all these players, we're like out of all the deep cuts we're talking about. I've actually thought about Torian Prince the most. Oh, really? Which is interesting. Like strange to say because <laughs> he's like the most boring vanilla player, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he was like heading towards being a minimum guy, but he turned it up towards the end of the year for Minnesota. Like, not, not. I think uh, I'm not saying he's necessarily like even a taxpayer mid level guy. Like, I I think. But uh, I can, he can still extend with the with the Wolves before free agency, and I wouldn't surprise me if they gave him like a one year, five to eight million dollar deal. Uh, not just because like you know he's solid for them and he seems like a good locker room guy. Uh, they need another forward off the bench, but also uh, if you can just extend him now add like a that's like another salary filler they could move mm-hmm. sooner than later with minutes and and so basically like if minnesota brings him back i could see him getting for sure the taxpayer but any other team i don't know uh okay. it may his he may be one of those guys where it's like it's just working out in minnesota so well right now that he should he's probably just going to want to stay there uh and maybe sure. they'll reward him yeah that makes sense um so with the last Five more minutes because I don't want to edit like a two, almost an hour and a half long podcast. And I'm going to hold you to this, Yazi. You have to only say more than the minimum. Okay. So I'm going to give you a name and you're going to say more than the minimum or yeah, that makes sense. Right, right there. So this is a little bit of a rapid fire price is right. Um, Damian Jones. Um, minimum. Uh, he's still okay. under contract for the minimum. So yeah. DeMarcus Cousins. Minimum. Daniel House. Probably still minimum. Um, Okay. So we'll see what happens. He's one of those guys where maybe uh, like Austin Rivers slash Jeff Green, where it's like you took the minimum once and now you're damn for it. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if if he's the next type of that guy, which, Mm -hmm. you know, to some lucky team, that's great. Mm -hmm. Hopefully it's the Lakers. Uh, Thomas Bryant. More. Okay. Uh, Serge Ibaka. More. Robin Lopez. Uh, basically what he's earning now. All right, cool. Well, that's, I mean, that's pretty much all of my questions. We ran through a lot of stuff. It was really fun just going through names with you and just kind of shooting the shit back and forth and ping-ponging um, all these names. So, Yazi, thank you for joining me. That was a, a long podcast that I'm now going to have to edit. Uh, but it's great because it's all informative. It's all insightful. And I know a lot of Lakers Nation will be hitting you up in your DMs or adding you on Twitter and whatnot, asking for clarifications. And hopefully this podcast sort of helped 
some of that process along so that we cut that number down by about, I don't know, like half or something. Um, but with that said, Yazi, why don't you once again um, plug anything you want to plug? And yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I made my I, I made my plugs out earlier. Uh, uh, just check out my stuff on Hoops Hype uh, and follow me on Twitter for some uh, uh, awesome salary cap reactions. Cool. Well, thanks so much, Yazi. And we will for sure... Uh, be checking out your stuff and your tweets um, as we head into draft and free agency season. And yeah, we'll see how truly boring it is. And well, it's definitely not going to be boring for the Lakers because it's they're for once going to have to try and be creative. And I'm interested to see in what that looks like and whether they can moneyball the shit out of their roster. But so far, they haven't given me much hope in that. But who knows? We'll see. Uh, Darvin Ham likes young players, young projects. So Maybe that works out in our favor, and hopefully he can pull some strings as well from the players that he's interacted with over the years and whatnot. Um, mainly talking about Eric Bledsoe and Serge Ibaka. Come on over. I don't know if you'll take that big of a pay cut, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, Yazi, thanks for joining me, and I'll let you go. Thank you, Jonathan. See ya. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.